Hey, Carla, this is Tabby. It's just because I love you day. And we're talking about trauma. Have you noticed how much power and authority you can get when you talk about experiencing trauma? Some people believe the more they've suffered, the more wisdom they have to share. And so they share about their sufferings a lot. Hold on to your hats with this one. Okay. All right. We're rolling. Once again, I'm the only one sitting at the table. Tabby's standing next to the table. Megan's walking into the dining room. I need paper. With pencils. I'm gonna There's paper in the top drawer of that drawer over there. That's usually Marla's uh, microphone. Why is the, why is number two mic not working? Hello? Hello? Hmm. Time out. Okay, crisis averted. It was off. The number two mic was not working. It is now working. All four mothers are at the table. <gasps> We're here. Ready, go. We will see how long this lasts before we have another crisis. Um, there Simon it is, is ba- uh, banging things behind me, but he's doing it happily. So we're going <laughs> to let that happen. And I have a concern that we're not even going to be able to scratch the surface of the conversation today. Well, you, stop yapping else? then. Yeah. And it, well, I'm opening it, it might up right be a now. part one, two and three. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we'll definitely revisit it. We'll definitely go back and, and talk about this in other contexts because it applies in a lot of areas. But I think I'll just start by t- telling Carla, I wrote a blog post a few years ago called um, something like the power of grief sages. So I invented a term called the grief sage because I noticed that in this culture where um, being a victim of some twi- type of suffering gives you power, that people all want to have that power. And so they all want to come up with this reason why they've, they've suffered more than the next person has. And so they turn their grief into a power card or a right to to talk, a right to be an authority and to be in control of a conversation. So the example I used then was there was this this lady who was in a mom group on Facebook at the time. I was still on Facebook and she had lost a child, which is truly a very traumatic situation. Her, her baby was born, stillborn, I think. And, um, and she talked about it all the time, but she didn't just she didn't just say, hey, this is a situation that I experienced and it's really terrible and, you know, pray for me. Actually, what she said was, I'm an atheist and it's really offensive when people assume that I believe in God. And so here, let me tell you why um, Christianity is harmful. Religion in general is harmful and you shouldn't talk about it as it relates to death. And so then she would use that. She would always tell the story about losing a child and then she would use that to launch into her anti-religion screed. Did people say... it's he's in a better place now or yes. like, okay, things like that. Yeah. Well, they would say things like, you know, I'm praying for you or, um, everything happens for a reason or, um, you know, maybe that this could, maybe there will, good things will come from this still it could be for God's glory. It could be for God's glory. And yeah. And so this woman, um, took it upon herself to be like, here, everyone here, hear ye, hear ye. Uh, I have this story, this testimony, and here's what you should conclude from it. Not only have I suffered, but also I have now become an expert in my own right. And um, that happens with a lot of different things. It could be child loss, like miscarriage. We've talked about that recently on Telegram or on Marco Polo. And there's just a lot of mental illness, physical illness. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, people who will say, well, um, you know, you're not the one who had breast cancer. Don't tell people how to grieve about breast cancer. And that's right. really anything, really anything. <laughs> life, life is kind of hard. So <laughs> we what suffer a lot. So here's my question. Are we going to just jump off from the bat, right off the bat and say, um, we should never talk about our feelings and should never tear, share our personal testimonies? Is that our point? Mm. Yes. No, no, it's not. <laughs> no, I... We talk a lot about feelings on this podcast because we're women and we feel doggone it. <laughs> um, we do it well. We do it well. Actually, not always. Uh, my thoughts about feelings are that they are God-given, but the culture has twisted our feelings into becoming the biggest thing in our lives, the biggest idol. The whole idea of follow your heart. While we think we're scoffing at it, especially as Christians, we've kind of swallowed this hook, line, and sinker. Um, it has made our way into churches and you know, Christian books, and everything becomes follow your heart, but we just say it would probably be God's will. That's how we get around it as Christians. We say, God would probably want you to follow your heart. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to experience things and um, he's going he to- He wants to give you the desires of your heart. Yes, yes, which is, not, which is not biblical. And so feelings, I think, are actually supposed to be a way to help us understand what we are going through. I would never tell somebody, you're not allowed to be sad. You're not allowed to be angry. You're not allowed to be traumatized, if you wanna use that word but it is not the end all be all. It does not decide how you should then move forward and what you should do with those feelings. Well, I wanna, I wanna clarify something because you said that the, God wants to give you the desires of your heart isn't biblical and that's actually scripture, but ooh, it gets misinterpreted. Oh, okay, sure, right, <laughs> right. I just wanted to clarify that, that yes, God does, but the, the true desires of your heart as a Christian, as a born again believer, is to become more like Jesus. Right. It should be lining up with what God wants. You're Once right. For you. Yeah. You Sorry. want your, It's you also know. scriptural where it says our hearts are deceitful and desperately <laughs> wicked. And yes. God does yeah. not want to give us deceitful and desperately wicked um, results to Correct. things. So, um, well, the thing, I, I think it starts with the fact that when a person is suffering, if they have hurt, whether it's physically or mentally, emotionally, if there's something that's truly um, terrible, you know, that's happened to them, it starts with this awkwardness where we we genuinely don't want to add to that suffering. And, right. you know, we're uncomfortable with tears. We're uncomfortable with pain. Um, we, we really don't want to, I guess, re-traumatize a person who's been traumatized. Um, but I do think that it's kind of getting obvious that we also like to use that fact to our advantage when we are the person who is suffering. We, we like to, we've noticed that people don't want to question us. They don't want to disagree with us because heaven forbid, we might start crying even more or we'll get even more upset. And so then they, then it becomes a place of power where you're suffering and people are only going to listen. They're only going to listen and they're not going to respond with any sort of pushback unless it's an apology. They can apologize for their for their part in right. your suffering. They are not going to judge you. Well, they're not going to judge you negatively. They're invited right. to judge you with um, pity and um, positive encouragement, you know, and an add a girl. But they're not going to judge you like maybe you're not handling this situation as well as you could. And that's a good place to be. If you don't want to be convicted, you're not going to be convicted by most people when you share a story of trauma. Well, and the first thing that that they're going to ask you if you do pose some sort of 
anything different than what they're already experiencing is, well, have you, well, have you ever been through this? Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever, has this ever, because on the whole, I don't know if we're on that topic yet. Carly stepped away for a moment. Oh, no. Marla was adopted as an infant. We've mentioned that before, but it's relevant now. Yes. Well, I was going to say that I was speaking with somebody who is very much against the whole adoption system process. I don't even know the details of it because she can't really explain it that well, which seems to be the case. But anyways, with most people, um, I, she had asked, I had made a comment that just went against what she was saying. And the first question was, are you an adoptee? Yeah. Because if I wasn't, which she luckily I go away. Yep. It yep. would have I would have had no authority because I didn't feel I couldn't feel what she was going through. I couldn't experience. And so when I said yes, I am, and the like, the conversation went calculating. <laughs> what do yeah. I say now? So that it took her a while. And yep. but then later on in our conversation, she wanted to know what other well, what else? What other connections were you, do you adopted have? by my exact parents? It wasn't enough. And I'm like, yeah. no, it's it's here's the thing. Everyone that agreed with her, she didn't care what experiences they had or not. (laughs) She was only asking the person who didn't agree with her. And then when I continued to not agree with her, she would, she had given me some statistics. I had given her some statistics and then she was mad and said, well, you can't just keep giving statistics. Like what other experience? (laughs) And I'm like, I'm just giving you back something that's different than approving to you that you can find statistics for pretty much anything you want to prove. And she wanted to know more about my experience. And I, I hated Instagram those few days that her and I were talking because it went on for a while, but I had posted this big thing in response to everything that she had asked and like talking about whatever, asking questions and Instagram posted it. I'm doing air quotes. And then it wasn't there. It was gone. And I was just like, oh my gosh. So the first time it happened, I had screenshotted or like saved some of the stuff. So I was able to like piece everything back together. But then the second time it happened, it was gone. And I, I literally haven't responded to her since then. I was just Wait, like, did she, she delete it? No, I don't think she did because I posted it immediately and it was, a, it immediately showed Instagram could not like it had <laughs> too many words too long, <laughs> but it, it always, it normally prompts you when something's too long, it will stop you. So no, I don't that's know how long it was. Happened. <laughs> she bypassed the it alert. Was like, no. It was like, cannot compute. <laughs> Well, because I was going to give her, I was going to tell her, you know, my brother's adopted. He's going through, it's not called reunification. There's another R word. Anyways, he has met his brothers and his father and his mom and some other family members. Oh, I wish I could think of the word. Anyways, um, I was like, I work closely with the family who has three adopted children. One who's international. Like I, I did have some sources. Now I'm not working in the adoption agencies or, well, well then like you can't said, talk. No, no, I no. Like fat, said, it wouldn't even, have mattered. Yes. Even if it had, even if you were a social worker, she would have then asked, how long have you been a social worker? Yeah, well, which state matter. are you a social yeah, worker? It would have just right. kept going and going. Which, which is why I think we can all agree. Cause I think we've talked about this before that, um, none of it ends up mattering then. Like it, you don't have to be a quote unquote expert to have opinions and to have thoughts on a subject. And right. so when they start doing that, well, are you an adopted person? Have you adopted children? Do you work as a social worker? Like trying to check off all these boxes. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. We have to go all the way back and say, none of that matters. Right. It, it doesn't give you more authority. It doesn't give me more authority if I do check those boxes. Yeah. Like we're there, all allowed to have There are actual opinion. like scholarly magazines now or articles where people are trying to make this more authoritative. You probably have heard the term intersectionality. 
That's a, a term that's being thrown around by sociologists. And they're trying to argue that the more types of trauma you have intersecting with one another, the more authority you have in an area, like the more wisdom you have that other people couldn't possibly understand. So some of the identity groups that, that um, have special revel, you know, revelation and wisdom would be um, people of color, like black, Hispanic, you know, Asians, um, th- uh, women above men, um, people in the LGBT community, um, people who've been adopted, people with mental health issues, like Tabby people said. who've miscarried. People so are you who- saying it needs to be somebody who's been miscarried, adopted, now identifies as LBGQ, whatever, yes. is black, yes. is uh, the joke, female. The joke female. is, how do you yep. figure out who has the most authority of all? And usually people say, well, obviously white, white straight Christian males are the most oppressive. The so least if you're wise. a black, trans, lesbian um, woman who works a low-paying job or no job at all is unemployed yeah. and um, and yeah has miscarried a baby I guess would would be pretty high up the ranks. Yeah. She gets to say whatever she wants about anything. Yeah, but yeah. but when you start questioning that, when you start pointing out to them what they're doing, oh, you're making an appeal to authority. You're trying to have authority over me based on your suffering or on your trauma and not based on what may be objectively true. When you pull that away and take that card away and just say no, I don't play by that game. I think that truth is something that's bigger than the way that you feel about this situation or look, then how do they respond? Cause Tabby and Marla both, and Megan has had some conversations with people in the past, but like recently Tabby and Marla have both been having conversations with people who are playing this card, this trauma card. Mm-hmm. And how do they, how do they appreciate when you say that's what's going on? Well, I was called a Pharisee. <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was pretty mild. I was called Pharisee or, uh, I was, I was told that I was triggering. I was told that uh, it's too traumatic to talk to me. Like, I, I really don't get called too many names. They just, when they can't use the power card and I say, I'm not going to go with that, then they just don't talk to me. They just, oh, well, then obviously you're a lost cause and I don't, I'm not going to talk to you. And it's like, okay. I, I get told that my questions are triggering. Yep. And yep. that yep. their wall is a safe place yep. for insert whatever the trauma was or the identity is right and oh, asked not right. to post anymore. I was like racking my brain because yours was recently, you asked a question on another person's Facebook wall yes, and that person private messaged you and said, no, you can't ask that question here because this is a safe place. Mm-hmm. And it was a very in- innocent question. And honestly, I kind of forget what the topic was about. I, I know it was it trans was. individuals, transgenderism again. Yeah, it was, but I'm saying like, I don't know what it was. She, it, she did like a do better, do better church or something. There was a hashtag going <laughs> oh, around. I'm told to do better a lot. <laughs> do better church. And I was like, uh, I stand with the church's decision on this. And because it was something about how they were making the youth, the trans youth feel um, judged. And yeah. I'm like, Okay. And you, and you <laughs> like, asked a question and the yes. person said, no, my wall is a safe place for trans youth, which means you cannot ask questions because that would be mm-hmm. unsafe. Apparently trans youth are not able to handle questions and yeah, they're triggering their questions themselves are traumatic in some cases. And my, my question, I know it's trauma. I know it's traumatizing, but my question is, at what point do we ask ourselves if maybe our worldview is wrong and that's why it's so hard to hear other people's questions? Maybe the discussion is difficult, not because you've gone through this great big amount of suffering, but because your reaction to the suffering is wrong and you're 
choosing to stay in a small-minded, low growth, you know, low or no growth state and blame everybody else instead of going, oh, the entire, all of nature, the entire universe is trying to tell me that I'm not handling this well and I'm still doubling down and blaming the people who are pointing it out to me. Oh, sorry. I had to lean over. My voice probably got really quiet there because um, Simon just he, toddled by with a cracker. Well, he could have the cracker. I thought it was an orange, like a whole orange. <laughs> and I was oh. like, wait. <laughs> Do you want this back, buddy? Simon? Do you want this? Sorry, I just thought my son was going to choke as he walked by. No he, big deal. He really wasn't too traumatized by the fact that I stole that cracker from him. Well, we don't know. We'll have to wait until he's 20 and he can tell me, Mom, I'm actually really traumatized about the time you took a cracker away from me. And that gives me authority over you. <laughs> we'll just have to wait. Should we pause again? That's fine. Marla left the rooms and I want her our to expert, part of this. Our expert left the room. She's the only reason we're able to talk about this since she's been adopted. Okay, she's back. Our authority <laughs> left. Well, I think among all of us, other than the whole person of color thing, we don't have, well, actually we don't officially know what Marla's yeah. um, genetic I think she's Latina. She's, no, I'm, just, I'm just like white Saxon or Anglo-Saxon. There's European, no way. Yeah. There's Italian. No Unless they're wrong. She does have I some dark eyes. Wait a minute. Are Italians Greek? considered people of color? I don't think so. They're European. Oh, I okay. think that they're white. But mm. we, I, I, was, I think she's Spanish. I think I was 0.2% black. <laughs> <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah, oh, goodness. I, maybe, up my I don't know how me. much you have to be a person of color before, you ha- before you're allowed to choose. No, that's good enough for me. Can you claim that intersection? I don't know. But I was about to say, I think among the four of us, we've covered a lot of ground. Like we've had miscarriages in yep. this group. We've yeah. had an adoption in this group. We're um, all women. Yes, that's true. We're all women, so we're not... We're not men, which oh, we know how they are. We're, I'm not sure. <laughs> We're college educated. Marla's still deciding. <laughs> I'm undetermined. Uh, Don't categorize me. Yeah. We're stay at home, but we're college educated. Some of us work. Well, and it's, it is really, really difficult for some people to respond when you check some of those boxes. Because for a long time, I would just follow tabbies and my dad around. He would have a blog post or something oh, yeah. on social media. And people would be like, wow, white, straight male, no uterus, no opinion. And I would just come in and be like, Hey, I've got a uterus. And I think he's totally right. And it was just, <laughs> that's all you had to do to yeah. blow yeah. their argument out of the water. Mm. Well, then you were a traitor to women. That's what I was told in college. <laughs> okay. What? You're not a feminist. Are you a traitor to women? Yes, obviously <laughs> I loathe them. <laughs> <laughs> traitor. Oh my gosh. So, so bringing this back to grief sages specifically, because we could, again, unpack all of those different intersections, talk about like examples of, of people. You see this everywhere when you start looking, um, but just generally talking about all of those different intersections, and maybe we can come and talk about specific ones at later episodes. Do you have any examples like from social media this week or recently that, um, that are memes that maybe cover this? Like a quote, what was the original? Oh, 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 yeah. Give me one second. Talks amongst yourselves. Or one of the statistics. <laughs> like what are, What would Carla encounter if Carla's going to go and Ooh. talk to one of these people oh. and engage in this? Well, go ahead. I was going to say April Fool's was just recent. <gasps> oh, yeah. And I saw a bunch of posts about the, you know, don't, don't do the fake pregnancies because yeah. if you've had miscarriages or are dealing with infertility, it's very insensitive to play that joke that yes. you are pregnant and you're actually not. Yeah, that is an excellent example. Yeah, that's better than that. Carla, comment if you have seen the never joke about pregnancy memes because somebody who has had a miscarriage mm-hmm. has deemed that you're not allowed. Or 
or I was actually reading an article. Um, oh, I, should I say that in this episode? Reading an article? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. We never no, never said it. anything. We're only 20 minutes in. Okay, you well. You drop a bomb? Um, yeah, well, I was reading an article about when to announce pregnancy because <laughs> I'm announcing my pregnancy. I feel like we need a sound effect. Hang on, let me get a. <laughs> Um, this is oh, a here little we go. late. Baby crying. Yeah, I was gonna be like, it's we can applause. get a You guys can't hear it. <laughs> um, I totally forgot about that, but I was reading this article. Sorry to drop that on you and continue on, Carla, but uh, I'm pregnant with my third baby. And so By the way, that's Tabby. I know our voices sound the same. <laughs> I feel like this is an important time to clarify. It's Tabby. Yes. Tabby's pregnant. So basically, I will be using my suffering as a pregnant woman for the next nine months. So get ready. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm morning sick. Therefore, everyone is wrong right. except me. Because obviously, yeah. you're not puking like me. Anywho, long story short, reading an article about announcing pregnancy. Um, and I can't even remember why, because I'm pretty chill about all of that. But they were saying they were taking even a step further. They were like, there's definitely a time that you should not announce. And it is if somebody else is trying to get pregnant and they haven't succeeded yet. And it's like, then uh, you can never announce. There's always somebody who can't probably get pregnant right now. Or they were like, if somebody's had a miscarriage, definitely don't announce. I was like, that's like one in four women that you can't tell no, you're pregnant. Every day. Well, and yeah. not, somebody has not a everyone every announces on Facebook that they've had a miscarriage. So it's like. Yeah, so don't you post your no pregnancy, Marla. No, uh, exactly. No way of noticing. It's, it's interesting because I had talked with a friend. It was right around April Fool's when I had found out that she had miscarried. And so we were talking and I said, how how do you feel about the miscarriage joke? You know, people saying about April Fool's. And she goes, I think it's it's dumb to create that rule. I can't control oh, wow. if Good people are happy. I know. I was actually really proud of her. And then she said, and I never want one of my friends who's currently pregnant to not share in their struggles. I want to know that you're feeling sick and that you're tired and that you're puking and vomiting. Like, I want to be able to be there for you. And I had a friend who miscarried before I got pregnant with Caden. And I was a little worried to say something just because it was, it was very, very recent. And she goes, you will, you never need to worry about telling me that I will always still be happy for you. Even if I'm still struggling with my loss. Yeah. Yeah. Your fertility does not affect my fertility. Right. Well, I was told again in college that like, you know, people would be jealous if I was talking about how I got engaged and they hadn't gotten their ring from their boyfriends yet. And I was like, I am not allowed to be happy because somebody else is upset in their circumstances. And I'd obviously been questioning it before then, but this is when I started getting real life stuff thrown at me. And I was like, okay, I need to think about this. This doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right that like there's certain things we can and cannot talk about because somebody else might be offended or upset or triggered or whatever. And I was like, what I don't happened buy it. to rejoice with those who rejoice? And well, they actually we. pick up on, cause that's from Ecclesiastes or there's right. a time to a time for joy and a time for mourning. And, um, they actually pick up on the mourning part and they're like, well, yeah, but you have a responsibility to mourn with, with those me. who mourn forever, forever. And we are always <laughs> sad. So you must always be sad. So too. we must never be joyful. That's yeah. Right. That's, if you tell yes. them, if you say, well, don't you think it's time? Don't you think there's better coping mechanisms? Don't you think there's a time to be joyful again? It's I get to decide how long I'm going to grieve and how I'm going to grieve. And if you won't grieve with me, you're not following Christ's message. And it's like, yeah, well, we're we're not looking at the other side of the coin. Like, you don't get to decide how long somebody else 
gets to be sad just because you are. Well, and a lot of this has to do with not being questioned. I think right. I think they've gotten yeah. away with this for a long time because so many people in the church who really do, again, not want to hurt people, they don't want to cause more suffering if they can help it. And so with good intentions but a really bad result, they've let people get away with this for so long that now it's almost just an understood reaction. If a person tells you they're hurting, all you do is say, I'm so sorry. That's it. And if they say, you're making it worse, whatever you're doing, stop right now. You just do it. You stop right now, freeze where you are, because that's just the way we do it. And so we haven't questioned this practice. And so the longer we go without questioning it, the more deeply entrenched it becomes as like a moray um, in our culture. And so, um, and, and so here we are, you know, with more and more people competing to be the most traumatized because there's a lot to be gained from being in that position. I, yes, there is. I, I have another example. Yeah. Um, so that post I shared with you guys about uh, uh, fed is best. We need to stop saying breast is best. And I had shared that with the girls maybe a week and a half ago or so. And Mandy was saying how, um, and this is true in my opinion, is that we're not telling people uh, or breast is best when their, when their boobs aren't working and they can't physically do it. We're not, we're not like bloodthirsty, like rude people. We're saying that when they're still deciding what to do and breast is breast milk that comes from your body. That's, that's specifically creating based on your child's needs has to be better than formula. That's just been made across the board as this generic thing. It's not changing and fluctuating with your child's needs. And if you can't hear the truth, like here are the nutrients that are more prevalent in breast milk. Here's why the closeness and the bonding and the mm-hmm. on-demand nature of nursing is better, is right. the better scenario. If you can't hear that without going, they're attacking me personally, then you've got a problem yes. because now you've created a situation where you never have to hear the truth in any other circumstance. You can always throw up your defenses, plugging your ears, so to speak, yeah. and just say, well, it's your fault because basically... I don't like what you're saying, so I shouldn't have to hear it. Yeah. Um, well, what's funny is I shared that thing that somebody else had shared about the breastfeeding is don't say that anymore. Breast is best. And I put my own two cents on it. And I had somebody message me and apologize because they had assumed that I was breastfeeding or something at one point, And she had recommended some sort of pump or something that kind of like hides underneath your clothes. And she was like, I should have never assumed. And I go, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, no. I was like, it's okay to say that to me. Like, it's fine. I am breastfeeding. It's been a really difficult journey for me this time. I was like, but even if I was offended by what you said, it's not your fault that I'm offended by it. You're leading with what you (laughs) preach. And it's normal because I honestly, I used to feel guilty when I would ask people, are you breastfeeding? But you lead with what it is that you normally do. So if I was bottle feeding or formula feeding, I probably would have led with, so are you using formula or are you breast? Yeah. It's like, it d- just let people ask questions. They most of the time are just curious or they yep. just want to yes. have a conversation yes. with you and they don't know what else to say. Oh, I got another one. If, when they ask, when are you having children? That's yes. another question that you're you supposedly can't. not allowed to ask. And it's mm-hmm. like, guess what? I'm going to create a top 10 list of reasons why you shouldn't be telling me what questions I am and I'm not allowed to ask. Uh, yeah, turd. <laughs> yep. I uh, my favorite is I'm like going to obviously be huge 
you know, because it's my third baby. And with Simon, I was big and people would notice. And I would be like walking around nine months pregnant, obviously pregnant. And they would still be like, oh, so are you? Um, And it's like, yes, I'm obviously a whale. I'm pregnant. It's cool. You can ask all the questions. Like, you don't have to be worried. I'm going to be like, oh, how dare you? It's like, my poor experience that because usually people come up to me. The funniest one was, this guy came up to me and goes, you are very pregnant. And I was like, yes, I am, sir. High five. <laughs> yep. Yep. Bun in the oven. But, but we have been conditioned. It's been working when the grief sages or the trauma teachers or the, you know, sufferers, whatever you want to call them, when they say these are what you are allowed to say and these are what you're not allowed to say, it's working. It's actually shifting the culture. And yes, there are people out there who is. are now afraid to talk to normal folks yep. and ask normal questions. <laughs> they're afraid to ask because they're afraid that you or I will be one of those angry, offensive people. They're afraid they're going to become a viral, you know, post on social media. Somebody asked me about my kid in the grocery store today. Where's the cops when you need them? Yeah. Like that. When I think of grief sage, I picture a woman with a bundle of sage lit on fire, smoke, like it's smoking. (laughs) And they're just like running around everywhere trying to get rid of people with sage to (laughs) like evil spirit. Cleanse your negativity. Cleanse it. We've got like one one minute or so, and oh, I, no. I'm going to share. I'm going to wrap it up a little with this um, with this plug for a book that I'm reading right now by um, Vodi Bauckham, and it, the book is called Fault Lines. It's specifically about. I've been wanting to read it. I'm so glad you're reading it. Yeah, Luke bought it for me for our anniversary. I called dibs. Ah, yeah, it, you guys can both borrow Next. it after. <laughs> Third um, dibs is. It's actually about critical race theory and how it's creeped into the church. That's a whole different podcast. Let's start it. But he invented the term, as far as I know, Dr. Vodi Bauckham invented the term um, ethnic Gnosticism. Now, hmm. Gnosticism was a heresy that was um, gaining popularity in the very early church, right after Jesus's resurrection. And it was this argument that certain people groups had a, rev- a revelation. They had access to wisdom that others did not have by virtue of how they were born, who they were. There was a revelation from God for only them that was not accessible by others. Okay. So the Holy Spirit only spoke certain things to them? Yes. Like essentially, the, I don't know if they refer to the Holy Spirit specifically, but there was this special divine revelation that only was available to certain people. And Vodi Bauckham expanded that to ethnic Gnosticism, which is what you see today when you've got people of color um, who are arguing that because of my suffering as a black or um, melanated person, that I have special knowledge. My experience is different from yours, and therefore I have special knowledge that you do not have, special knowledge about God specifically. Um, and so that somebody read an article of his that was basically um, – prepping for the book, you know, it was a summary of the book. And this person that I saw on Twitter, I wish I could give her credit, but I don't have it in front of me. But she (laughs) said, um, I read this book and actually it, it, um, what's the word? It convicted me personally. It convicted me personally because I'm a child of the foster system, grew up in foster care, not sure if she was ever adopted, but she said, I experienced a lot of really, really bad stuff. I mean, some sure. truly devastating stuff. And it made me realize that for a long time, I was appealing to a certain Gnosticism for being a victim. There was a thing that I thought I was a little bit better than others, or I understood things a little bit better than others because I was a victim. And after reading this, um, I, I want to repent. I want to recognize Aww. that my... Um, 
that I stand before God in need of a savior myself and that there are things, regardless of what I've experienced, my testimony could be important for sharing the gospel, but if it is sharing my own glory, mm. if it's coming wow. for uh, to make people want to hear from me personally and to put me on a pedestal, I'm doing it wrong. It's oh. trauma Gnosticism. It's Did you being, get goosebumps too? Yes. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, this is why you have to speak out on these things. Yeah. This is why our podcast started partly. This is why you have to write the book. You yeah. have to write the blog. Right. You have to make the post because... To some people, they think you're not making a difference, but clearly it's happening. Like yeah. God is, <laughs> Finley really, she is now going to take, using people. She is now going to take all that trauma and all that horrible stuff that shouldn't have happened to her, but we live in a fallen world and going to use it for God's glory. And there is yep. nothing cooler than that. Yep. Yep. That's all we got. All right. Don't be a grief sage, Carla. We'll see you next time. It, it, we have to let this kind of, kind of. No, it's fine. You can keep talking, keep chatting. I'm letting the outro music come on. We're still going to keep talking, but we'll talk to you next time, Carla. Yeah, you're not invited, Carla. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Carla. If you want to continue the conversation, you can find us on MeWe under Four Sisters Birth and Motherhood Counseling on Facebook at Just Because I Love You, a Four Sisters podcast, or newly on Instagram, Four Sisters One Savior. Thanks for joining.